Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Few. As this episode is being recorded, Max Verstappen just became the three-time world champion of Formula One, the youngest driver to do so, also the youngest driver to ever win a Grand Prix, the youngest driver to ever get a Formula One seat, and clearly a human that embodies what it is to be The Few. But is he a high performer, or is he just equipped with a growth mindset? One of the most telling aspects in the interviews post-race, Max was asked whether or not he felt that this victory wasn't as rewarding as the previous two, given that they were a close run, highly competitive uh, win. And this one, there's still four races left in the season and he's absolutely dominated. When posed with that question, interestingly, Max said this was his most rewarding because the time he had out the front and being so dominant meant he was able to think about how he could do a better job. And this season, if you're an avid follower of Formula One, you would have seen that Max Verstappen during one race in Baku, whilst experimenting, a very important part of the growth mindset, discovered a sitting in the car that allowed him to effectively blitz the field. So with that in mind and thinking about all things mindset, I'm really excited by our guest today. He is a master of the field of mindset, but also active in helping entrepreneurs, athletes, those of us who have a dream of fulfilling our full potential uh, to help them on that journey. Welcome to the Few Podcast. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. So you want to become one of the few. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. I have a dream. I have a dream. Hear inspiring stories from the few and learn what it takes to turn your dream into reality. Don't be afraid to dream big. But remember, dreams without goals are just dreams. This is The Few with Boo. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on The Few. Really appreciate you being here. Hey, well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to have this conversation with you. So, Jeff, you've got a few things to say about mindset, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's such an integral part of what we do and the goals that we have and where we want to go in life. And I have the opportunity every day to be working with entrepreneurs and athletes. And, you know, it's often what we see is the separating factor between really good entrepreneurs, really good athletes and great ones. It's often the mindset is the separating factor. It's interesting, isn't there? When people talk about high performance and you look at any field of high performance, it might be a trading floor on Wall Street. It may be a baseball team, a cricket team. When we look at high performance, we tend to look at the whole group of which there's a you know, varying degree of talent and ability. But when you're talking about mindset excellence and the best of the best, the good to great, there's something kind of different, isn't there? And as far as you're concerned, what is that? What is the differentiator between someone who's talented and someone who's consistently exceptional for an extended period of time? Well, even if we just simply look at a growth mindset, understanding that with a growth mindset, failure doesn't mean you're a failure that you learn from it and you grow from it. And it's not easy to do all the time. You know, a lot of times we, we're faced with adversity that it really knocks us down. And those that have the right mindset can take that adversity. And given that sometimes it takes a little bit of time, you've got some time in there to deal with it, but it's really how do you deal with that adversity? How do you even deal with your successes? And 
grow from it and continue to grow from it, regardless if it knocked you down or you just won a championship. How do you deal with that to get to the next level? Because how much around performance, uh, particularly with athletes where, I mean, in business, as an entrepreneur, your performance is, is very measurable, particularly if you've got investors on board, you've got hurdles and milestones for investment. But athletes are probably the most measured profession on earth. Where do they come unstuck? I mean, when you have a microscope on you and you're constantly looking for growth, but you might have a bump in your performance and you, and you lose that, what is it that sets that in motion, that negativity? And, and how can they possibly turn it around? Because there's a difference between saying you're going to do a great job and telling yourself that the next step is going to be a good one, but believing it is something different, right? Right, absolutely. And you know what? In both athletics and entrepreneurship, one of the biggest factors we deal with is failure. But the reality is on the athletic side, you're dealing with it a lot more. You know, athletes have to learn to deal with failure every game they lose, every play that they do that doesn't turn out how they hope. And so I think that's one of the biggest assets of being an athlete is learning how to deal with that failure time and time again. And when that happens, you're right. It's even, you know, as we're working with athletes and we talk to them about their self-talk, it's really easy to tell an athlete, you know, you've got to recognize the self-talk, you've got to change the negative self-talk to positive. But when they're in the competition, when they're in the moment, it's a lot harder to actually do it. And so we do give them different things that they can do in those moments to help them refocus. One of the things we like to say is, okay, when, what's important now? Because when you can be more present in your thinking, you can, rather than thinking about the thing that's already happened, the thing that's already in the past, whether it was a one play ago or one game ago, rather than thinking about those and focusing on that, you can think about what's the next thing and what's important now, rather than continuing to harbor on the, the negative part of it. So how did you get in this field, Jeff? Like, what's your own journey here? Because for many of us who are in a sphere of, of helping people unlock their potential, understanding that that external perspective is critical to unlock your full capability. How did your journey unfold to get to this point? Well, from the athletic standpoint, I've been involved in athletics since I was five years old. And, you know, a lot of different sports, a lot of different avenues I've gone that direction. But after college, I graduated with a major in entrepreneurship. And I always knew that I wanted to be on the entrepreneurial side. I wanted to be in control of my destiny type thing. But I also coached basketball for 20 years. I also rodeoed professionally. And it was probably during my rodeo career that I really started this journey because I remember my older brother, we rodeoed together and he gave me an article one time and it was on the power of using visualization in athletics. And that was really when I started to really recognize the importance of it. And then jumping forward a number of years to just within the last few years, started to study mindset a lot more. And it was tied in more on how could I help my entrepreneurs on the mindset side of things. And I was, as I was studying that, I got introduced to a lady who is now my partner in the Confident Athlete program. Her name's Tammy Matheny. And she wrote a book called The Confident Athlete. And it really dives deep into how to help athletes with their mindset, how to help them with their mental game. But you could change athlete to entrepreneur and it'd be just as great of a book for entrepreneurs to use. 
And so as I got to know her and Ryan Godfordson and some of these people that have really dove into the subject, I've just really learned a lot. And it's been a lot that's been able to allow me to help my athletes and entrepreneurs to better their own mindsets. So let's just rewind a little bit. How do you become a professional rodeo athlete? <laughs> I mean, where does that come from? That comes from when little brother always wants to do what big brother does. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, whether it was hockey, football, basketball, whatever, it was kind of my older brother played a lot of sports and I kind of followed in that path. And when I was in high school, he had started rodeo. And so I started going down there. I mean, you guys live on a farm or something? Is it? We did. We did. So I I grew up in Southern Alberta on a farm just outside of a small community, Raymond, Alberta, which is like 3,500 people. And we had other relatives that were in um, rodeo. So he had started it. And so I was in high school and I was like, you know what? I really want to do that. So I started it myself. I started out as a calf roper. But then he got into steer wrestling. I don't know how much you know about rodeo, but steer wrestling is where you're running full speed on a horse. You jump onto a steer's horns and wrestle them to the ground. And so I called him one time and said, Todd, I'd I'd really like to learn how to steer wrestle. And he said, yeah, okay. Next time we go practice, I'll give you a call and you can come out with us. And I said, well, actually, I entered a rodeo for Friday. So you've got to teach me before (laughs) Friday. (laughs) So it was a quick learning curve. And it went from that, starting in high school, went through the amateurs, and then had a professional career. Because it's a dangerous pursuit, anything in the rodeo, right? And I don't think people understand how many different events there are in a rodeo either. Everyone's just used to everyone, cowboy being on a bronc or on a, on a bull. What's the atmosphere like? If you think of it in terms of professionalism versus cowboy kind of setup, like how professional was it as a, as a pursuit? How seriously did people take it? It's definitely a serious business. And the cool thing about steer wrestling is you're on your horse running down this steer to jump on it and wrestle it to the ground. Well, there's a guy on the other side of you that his job is to keep that steer running straight so you can catch it. The the cool thing about it is that guy on the other side is actually one of your competitors too, that you might be on the other side helping him. And so it's very competitive. Everyone's trying to beat one another, but they're also, it's a tight family that everyone's also cheering each other on, helping each other, whatever you have to do to help everyone do their best. It's not like we were cheering against each other saying, you know, I hope he screws up or whatever. It's like, I want Jeff to do his best because I want to beat his best. And so it was really, really cool atmosphere and really cool family type of connections there. That's kind of rare, isn't it? Where you support each other in that way. And during that period and when you were younger and when you were an athlete yourself, were you aware of a mindset thing or were you just head down, go, 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 effort in equals results out? I wish I was more aware than I was because like I said, until my brother had given me that article, I probably wasn't aware of it very much at all. And that first awareness was around visualization and Obviously, my awareness around it now, you know, I've studied Neville Goodhart a lot and the way he talks about it. And that's a lot of why we have the Confident Athlete Program now is because a lot of the athletes that come into our program, whether they're college or high school, and we even have some younger than high school, it's just making them more aware of how important their mind is in the whole game. 
but also doing that collectively in the Air Force during training. We call it chair flying. You effectively sit in your chair and you close your eyes, you fly the airplane, you visualize all the different scenarios, you run through emergencies, your hands go to all the right places and you literally just create a simulator in your own mind. What, what I found interesting though is, is how your own mind plays tricks on you when you're doing that and how your belief systems get in the way, how you can assume a problem away and how even with visualization, it's important to give yourself guidelines and, and being honest uh, with yourself. Uh, and I think the, the Chicago Bulls and Peter Jackson also had a pretty strong practice around visualization as a team during their dominant years also. Hi, it's Boo here. If you're enjoying these episodes of The Few, please show your support by leaving a review. It costs you nothing and the more reviews we have, the better guests we can reach out and bring onto the show to help you close the gap between what you want and where you are today even faster and help you on your journey to become one of the few too. But how does that work for an entrepreneur? Like I get it in terms of an athlete, but do you also encourage entrepreneurs to sort of visualize their game as well? Absolutely. Because I mean, it's the same thing. It's everything. I mean, let's think of the iPhone. It was a vision before it ever became reality. And now look what it's done, right? So we've got to be able to visualize what we're trying to achieve and really have the more clear I think we can be on that vision, the easier it is to get to that end goal. But, you know, you made a great point too, is, you know, when I first started learning more and more about visualization stuff, it's always, you know, you've got a positive mental attitude. You've got to visualize that positive outcome and stuff. But the reality is we teach people to also look at the negative, not to dwell on it, not to focus on it, but when something negative happens, you don't want to be caught off guard and only reacting. You want to know if that happens, how would I respond? And so we do still focus on when things could go wrong, what would you do? And so from an entrepreneurial standpoint, there's so many different ways, whether it's with sales, whether it's with presentations, whether it's with your team. I've had clients that said, you know what, I had this big meeting planned. I was excited to do this launch with my team and the meeting was just a disaster, but they hadn't put the preparation in. And it, it's hard to have that confidence. It's hard to really present well when you haven't put in the proper preparation. And so even that preparation might just be some visualization of how am I going to present this? How is this going to go forward? So, yeah, I think athletics and entrepreneurship, it's important. I think, I think you said something before that was pretty insightful. Vision is where you want to go, but you also need to visualize it as well. And I think that's a great lesson for corporates and enterprises where, where sometimes the vision statement is, it's not really something that you can foresee or you can imagine. It's just a whole bunch, bunch of words, right? Let's just say you're an athlete and you're trying to break through. You know, there's a reason why your performance is limited. You've just come across this thing called mindset as an idea. Have you any suggestions as how you would accelerate the concept of mindset into a practice of mindset? You know, I think the first thing is, you know, we don't know what we don't know. You've got to understand it. Even looking at whether it's a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Well, what does that mean? Because I've worked with a lot of people that we start talking about that and they've always thought, oh, I'm positive and all this stuff. And then we start talking about how they react to different things. And they said, you know, I'm really reacting to a lot of these things with a fixed mindset rather than an open mindset. So as you learn what it means, it allows you to start to recognize how you're responding and reacting to different situations. 
So I, I think that's the first step is learning what what the different mindsets are and how they're applicable to you so that when you're in that situation, you have the opportunity to just recognize how you're responding or respond differently. With the rubber hitting the road and going from visualizing and having a mindset towards success, but then it not actually happening. I mean, how do you manage that? Because again, it's a case of, you know, if you keep telling yourself you're going to do a great job and you deserve it, but you're just constantly tripping up. How, how do you map kind of expectation management there? Because yeah, I visualize I want to be the president of the United States. Well, guess what? There's only one of those. Great vision. Statistically, I don't know. But do you talk with athletes or entrepreneurs around managing expectations? Yeah, I can look at my own experiences in different times. I did a launch a while back that, man, my vision of what it was going to be was outstanding. And I really had everything lined up exactly how I wanted it to. And it was a bomb. And it was really hard to deal with. And so it's really just easy to start in that downward spiral of the negativity. And, you know, that was a waste of time. And, you know, this visualization stuff doesn't work. But at the same time, you've got to be able to rebound and say, okay, what do I need to change? How do I fix it? How do I get back on track? And I think one of the big things with that is I don't think it's best to do it on your own. That's where a coach or a mentor comes in helpful or even a mastermind group somewhere where you have someone else that you can bounce ideas off, talk through situations and really reassess what happened, why it happened and what you need to do to get back on track. And again, it's really easy to get around the wrong people and not have that uplifting experience where they can help you get back on track, where they're the Debbie Downer just as much as whatever, and it, it takes you in the wrong direction. So making sure that you have the right people around you to help lift you back up. And I think also there's some great scenarios of certain coaching centers in Florida or in tennis, for example, or certain football clubs that just create incredible athletes feeds that narrative, doesn't it? Where you put people inside a community of like-minded people that have that same sort of growth mindset, you feed off. It's almost like it's an exponential return rather than just having one or two people around you, the whole culture around you. Have you got any insights there as well? It's like how to build that culture, how to find it. I think as we grow up, we're, we're pretty good at finding the odd toxic person to have in our community. What are some of the cues there and, and how would you get yourself A, an understanding you're in that situation and B, move on? Yeah. And, you know, a great, great example is something I heard. I don't even know where I heard it, but someone recently was telling a story and they said, you know, you're in a situation where you've got this exciting idea and you're ready to launch it or whatever. And you tell someone about it and they're like, what are you thinking? Do you really think you can do that? And they're all down about it. And your enthusiasm, excitement and vision of it just takes a hit. Well, you tell another person, and they're more like, hey, that is awesome, but why are you thinking so small? You know, you could do that in a month. You know, it, just the different way people will approach it with you really is going to change how you move forward with it. And so I think you've got to find those people that are encouraging you, helping you to think big and helping you to be positive about what you're trying to achieve. Not saying they just blindly tell you, yeah, you're the greatest in the world, they might have to give you some constructive feedback on it, but are encouraging you to do that. And I think what it is, is when you start to recognize the negativity, the smaller thinking and stuff, it's easy to say, you have to eliminate B 
being around those people. But oftentimes those people are close to you, their family members, their relatives or whatever. And so that might not be the situation, but you can eliminate what you're talking about with certain individuals. You can limit the amount of time you're spending with certain individuals. But one of the important things to do is as well is make sure you're the right person to that other person, that you're the one encouraging the other person, that you're the one helping them come up with bigger and better ideas and helping them grow. Because as you're giving that and receiving that back, you're both, or as a group collectively, you're all going to grow together. And we don't, that's something we don't do particularly well, is it? Is we're always asking for that from others and looking for more support from others. But do we flip that on its head and say, well, what am I putting out there? And that's also a critical attribute to being a someone that can perform above average or make that transition a great. It's also what you give, right, to the team. One of the interesting things I read about was, what do you call it? Was it the reticular activation system, the RAS? Yeah. You've got a little bit of a some insight there. I mean, I've never heard of that before, to be honest. But when I read into it, I thought it was fascinating. What's the story with the RAS? You know, it is a powerful tool is what it is. And everyone has it. And one of the stories I like to tell that kind of helps people recognize what it is. When we moved from Canada to Arizona, my daughter's car had some problems. We ended up selling it in Canada when we got down here we had to buy her a new car. And we ended up buying this car. It was a little spider Mitsubishi convertible. I'd never seen this car before. And so we buy this car and all of a sudden I'm seeing this car everywhere. And it wasn't the fact that all of a sudden we bought the car and so did everyone else in the neighborhood, but it was something that my mind all of a sudden started saying, okay, this is important to me. This is part of our life now. And I started recognizing it in other places. It's like when you buy a shirt and then you see other people wearing the same shirt or something. It's a filter. You know, we have so many different things happening in our lives every second of the day from noises to heat to whatever's happening. We've got to have some way to filter out the things that aren't important. So the reticular activating system helps you to find the things that are important to you. And that's why it's important to know what your goals are and to, you know, in my mindset journal, I have my clients write out their goals every day because when your RAS recognizes that that's important to you, it's going to help you recognize things that are going to help you achieve those goals. And so it's just a really powerful tool. So true. I have my own story around that, which was I wanted to be a fighter pilot since I was five and all the way through until I joined when I was 19 and started flying jets when I was 21. Everyone around me knew that if they came across anything to do with that, I would always get a call or I would, hey, my friend's a pilot. He lives down the road. Would you like to meet him? And all of a sudden, you're, you know, that's 14 to 16 years of being focused on the one thing. The way that multiplies outside your immediate network and the way it just keeps influencing the world around you. And I think it's for entrepreneurs as well. Like when you start with a business, there's you and the other person that you told and your friends and family. And if you want to be a unicorn, you've got to expand that circle quickly, which is why you need consistency of message, consistency of brand. So everyone kind of gets the hang of you. And in that moment in time, when someone comes across and says, my dog peed on the floor, they go, ah, a friend of mine has a robot mop business. You should maybe give them a look and see whether that's something you could do. All of a sudden, you enable all these people around you as your sales arms. I hadn't heard about it as the RAS, but I certainly lived it. And, and I think what you're talking about is, mate, and I've heard about a similar story around the, you buy a green golf and all of a sudden the street's full of green, you know, VW golf. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's the challenge today, right? Like with everyone on their phone and constantly scrolling and distracted and just consuming junk, all the important stuff just gets 
lost in the noise, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it can work in the negative too. It can be a distraction. It is what we're focusing on taken away from more of the positive. So it's important to, you know, journaling. There's so many good things we can do to help us focus our attention on the things that are going to help us achieve what we want to achieve. So Jeff, what what would be the top three things that you would recommend someone who sees themselves as a high performer, they're motivated to kind of unlock their best mindset game? One is I like to tell people to have a curious mind. And I think most entrepreneurs do, or else they wouldn't be an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is always be curious about what's going on, always be learning. I'm an avid reader. Not everyone is, but we've got Audible. We've got different ways you can consume. And tying back into the RAS is consume the things around what it is you're interested in, books, blogs, podcasts, whatever. I think that's a huge benefit to helping people. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, part of that learning is learning more about mindsets, learning more about what they are. You know, go to someone like Ryan Godfordson with Success Mindsets, and he's got an incredible mindset assessment tool. And even myself, when I first took it, I read the outcomes and I was like, wow, that's true. And I didn't realize that when it was talking about some of the different mindsets. So that would be one. Always learning, always be curious. Really important to what you mentioned earlier, surround yourself with the right people. Surround yourself with people that are going to help you have the right mindset, to help encourage you, to help you grow and help lift you up. The third thing I would probably say is really focusing on what you're learning in the form of journaling, writing down your goals and taking the time to do that. Because a lot of people will say, yeah, I've got my goals. I I know I'm going to do this and that, but have they actually written it down? Have they actually thought through it and have they reverse engineered it? If that's my goal in a year, what does that mean I have to do month to month? What does that mean I have to do week to week? What does that mean I have to do today? And in our accountability groups, that's what we do is we start with the big goal and reverse engineer it down to the day so that every day, it doesn't matter how many urgent things you have, what's the one important thing that you have to do today that It might be tiny, but when we add all these tiny events up, it hits that bigger goal. And as you do those things, I think it gives you the mindset that allows you to focus on the bigger things. That's awesome. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for sharing your broad insights into into mindset and why it's important, especially, uh, and also some of the phenomenon that we can unlock. We've got RAS that allows us to focus on the right things, attend to the things that we really want to allow us to be aware of the things around us that support that objective. But also just growth mindset isn't something you have now. It's something you've got to keep checking in on. It's something you've got to keep growing. You, you can very easily slip back into a belief system and back into that fixed mindset. So Jeff, how can people find you? And where's your universe if an entrepreneur or an emerging athlete really wants to accelerate their journey? Social media wise, I'm most active on Instagram, which is Jeff Hagee Coaching. My website is jeffhagee.com. I actually have what I call, they're in my mindset journal, what I call my mindset questions, some questions I go through every morning, every evening. And you can get those questions for free at jeffhagey.com slash mindset. So, and on the athletic side, confidentathleteprogram.com. Awesome. Fantastic. And that's Jeff with a J. Uh, Everyone, please, or when you finish the podcast here, look down in the show notes. We've got all the links for Jeff's world down there. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today on The Few. I really enjoyed our, our conversation. 
and for you being so generous with your time and knowledge. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, mate. Well, that wraps another episode of The Few. And I'd like to thank our partners, without whom this episode wouldn't be possible. Firstly, Ode Management, an organisation that brings world-class speakers into your event or organisation to make a profound impact on your people to deliver the results that you want. And Afterburner, real-life fighter pilots, a team of men and women who for the past 25 years have helped organisations surpass their expectations, learning the tips and tricks fighter pilots use to win 98% of the time. If you enjoyed the show, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast, The Few with Boo, or our YouTube channel. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing the stories of these remarkable people with you. I hope that helps you keep the dream alive, but more importantly, equips you with a few ideas of how to turn those dreams into reality to help you become one of the few too.